0: Good morning everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the class that's being taught by Gary Sloan and it will be transitioning to a multi-inspector firm. Before Gary gets started, I would like to go over just a couple of points with you and that way you'll know what to do and what I need to do. Uh, We are not making certificates. If you would like to have the credit on your InterNACHI account or your profile there, Please make sure that you add them manually to your dashboard on nachoorg forward slash credits. And then uh, also add this to your chat. This is not for state continuing education. If you have questions during the presentation, please put them in the chat bar so that we can ask Gary and he will be able to answer those classes of course, not all uh, questions can be answered, but we will try to get most of them that we can. All right, Gary, I'm gonna turn it over to you. And if anyone needs anything, just let me know.
1: All right, well, good morning. Um, how many do we have on now, Brenda?
0: The attendance, I can't tell you at this moment. We have 321 that had registered. Right
1: now, it looks like we have 44 in the class. Okay, great. Well, listen, uh, my name is Gary Sloan. I am with the owner of Discovery Inspections. Uh, We're based in the Atlanta area. Uh, We started our business in 1997. Um, this um, This is an exciting opportunity for me to share with all of you. Uh, the things, well, pretty much the mistakes that I've made over the years and uh, and how I overcame them and uh, the, the successes as well. Um, you know, ever since COVID started, I, I've always aspired to have one of these Zoom meetings uh, in my underwear. Um, I'm not going to start that uh, today, so everybody is, is safe there. <laughs> um, so I did put together a uh, presentation, but you know, here's the thing. I thought about that this morning. And I thought about just scrapping the whole thing and you think, well, gosh, why why would you do that? Well, the reason is um, I kind of want it to be more of a conversation than a presentation. And so I kept everything in there. The other thing, too, um, with with, uh, InterNACHI and Brenda's permission, I'd like to make my presentation available to anyone so you're not trying to scramble uh, and write notes or using your phone to, uh, to screenshot. Um, is, that, is that okay, Brenda It is, and okay. we will put it online as
0: well,
1: Gary. Okay, good. All right, so so there's that a little bit of history on me um, just so you know um, where I came from. Uh, I, I joined the Navy in uh, 1982 and um, I specialized in avionics and then I got moved into Kanyon. Kind of, kind of quality control quality assurance and I became an aircraft quality control inspector and um, you can imagine um, the immense uh, responsibility or sense of responsibility that that that, uh, that I had at the time you know and and later on as I got into home inspections I realized there's a lot of similarities between inspecting a house and inspecting an aircraft and what I mean by that is they both have a structure, they both have an exterior skin, they both have electrical systems, um, they both have, um, you know, a lot of lot of similarities. And so, you know, when that pilot would would hop in the cockpit and he, you know, give the thumbs up, it was really a question uh, to the quality control folks saying, "Hey, um, I'm about to fly in this thing." Have you thoroughly inspected all the systems and components? And if so, are they serviceable? Or more importantly, is this aircraft worthy of flight? And the quality control person would respond back with another hand gesture that would look like this if everything's okay. And what that meant was the quality control person used every bit of observation skills, knowledge processes tools to ensure just that and when we'd give a thumbs up it would be i'm so confident that that, that flight is that aircraft is worthy of flight i'll get on it with you now when you when you roll that over into the inspection world for residential and commercial uh, buildings don't fly i get that um, but the reality is the process is very similar or it should be We're looking at the various systems and components within the systems to make sure things are the way they're supposed to be. So, I got out of the Navy after eight years, um, got picked up by Delta Airlines as a mechanic uh, in the avionics department. And then, really, through no ambition of my own, I kept getting promoted um, until near the end of my career. I was doing safety and environmental health and responsible for 4,400 employees. And a uh, huge sense of responsibility. We interfaced with the fire marshal, the EPA, OSHA, uh, the DOT. Um, and uh, a lot of that experience um, proved to be helpful in doing commercial inspections. So um, so that was an easy transition. Um, I got code certified and, uh, and started doing new construction. And... Um, and then certainly commercial as well. And some of the commercial inspections that uh, that I've been uh, on uh, include Duracell, Frito-Lay, Michelin, uh, Georgia Pacific, um, been down to Cape Canaveral to inspect some of the facilities at, at NASA. So a wide variety of, of exposures and um, just just love what I do. So, Um, A lot of experience there, Um, I've personally done uh, just over 12,000 inspections, and I think my back and my knees would uh, confirm that as well, but um, let's get into, uh, you know, the purpose of of, uh, why you've joined us, you know, and that's scaling the business, and what does that mean? Um, I was a a single man operator uh, for 10 years, 10 years. And um, I just had this notion in my head that uh, no one can inspect as well as me. And why do I want to take the risk of somebody else missing something or causing damage to a house? Um, I was making a pretty decent living. And you can as a single person. Um, You definitely can. Uh, And then uh, I got some prodding by a coach that says hey why why are you still inspecting why don't you have other inspectors i said oh geez here we go so i actually followed the advice hired someone and i I just could not let go of the reins and so i hired that person as a inspector helper (laughs) and um After some period of time, we promoted the person to an actual inspector and I took um, I went on a conference out of state. The very first day he did his first inspection, I got a call. And, and he said, hey boss, I, I fell through someone's ceiling. I thought, oh my God, this, this is the risk that I didn't want to take, you know. This, this, was, this is exactly my fear. And so I'm, I'm with other like-minded inspection um, company owners. And they said, what's wrong with you? And I said, told them what happened. And they said, uh, so? What do you mean, so? Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to make sure that we fix the house to the level of satisfaction of the homeowner. Um, yeah, that's what you do. And then you go on with your business. So that happened. And then we hired another inspector, and then another. And, and it just seemed, um, you know, we got our processes in place and our training, and things got better and more digestible. So let's get into um, the presentation. All right, sorry. Okay. Can can you see the uh, presentation, Brenda?
0: Yes, we can.
1: Oh, okay, good. So scaling your business from one to many. Now, when I was a single operator, one of the things that I would say um, when I was going up against multi-inspector firms is, um, well, you know, when you call um, when you call me, you know who you're going to get. You're going to get the owner of the company. Now that I'm a multi-inspector, <laughs> um, I say, um, who's, who's uh, monitoring that single operator's quality control? Who's doing that? So it's all about perspective. Um, and I'll tell you, when I first started off, I took a 12-part VHS series uh, training uh, out of Colorado. I can't remember the name of the company. I'd watch a video. I would take the test. I'd fax the test in. They would tell me if I passed or not. It it was horrific training. But you know what? It's what we had at the time. Um, And and I won't forget my first inspection. Um, I can tell you the address. I can tell you the client's name. And I can tell you that I visibly shook throughout most of the inspection because I was so fearful I might miss something. Things are so much better nowadays with with software and training. And and uh, we'll talk about a lot of those things as, as we go go through. So I kind of want to set the, the norm for today. Um, you know, As I mentioned, I really hope this doesn't have too much of a presentation feel. I want us to have interaction. Um, some of the best dialogues when I was still inspecting, some of the most uh, enriching conversations that I had was with our senior citizens and I realized it's because they've experienced so much more and they've they've gathered wisdom and um, and that's what I hope to share with you. So please ask, there isn't a question that's off limits, um, ask anything and, uh, and I'll try to help you any way I can. What does success look like? You know, how do we define success? It's Such an open-ended question. You know, when you ask someone, you might say, well, you know, I've I've always wanted uh, to be a parent of six children with two of them being adopted. Or I I wanted to have um, $100,000 in the bank. Or I wanted, you know, um, to take three vacations a year to destinations that I've never been to before but I would tell you as a business owner this is not an easy business and that's not a discouraging statement it's not an easy business and one of my colleagues he said he said this would be the perfect business if we didn't have to deal with clients and agents (laughs) and I I can't really argue that it's it's funny Um, but uh there's, there's a lot to what we do and I, I still believe it's easier being an employee than an employer uh, but you know there's benefits to that as well so here's here's uh, I'm sure you' all have seen this but on the left what people think uh, success looks like you know the the company owner is getting a larger uh, commission of, of the inspection fee. Um, you know, things just seem to fall in line with them. They don't always see what's what's going on behind the scenes and, uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, I totally agree with this graphic. Um, here's a gentleman. Uh, I have a um, teenage daughter, and um, it's very difficult to find programming on TV where uh, we can all enjoy it. And we seem to come to terms, and uh, there's a couple of shows that we like. One is the shark, shark Tank, and the other one is The Prophet. And this happens to be Marcus Lomonas And I don't agree with everything that he has to say. But um, he's last time I checked, he's worth $500 million. Um, so he's he's got it going on. Um, and I, I want to share some things that he said that uh, have been meaningful to me. One, he says, if if you're not evolving, you're dying. And I can't help but think of Circuit City, Blockbuster, Sears, some taxi companies, and even my own business. You know, when we when I started inspections, we were using three part. NCR forms. and Some of you more experienced inspectors may remember that you had to press hard with the pen so that it, the uh, the characters would transfer to the back copy. And then uh, Polaroid cameras came about. I never remember taking pictures on the inspection and stapling them to our reports. And we said uh, our reports come with
0: pictures
1: (laughs) and and now look look what we have available to us and and even the guys that were inspecting before me they they commonly told me they said you know back in the 80s when they were inspecting all they used was a flashlight and a screwdriver a flashlight and screwdriver and go to any Internachi convention or, or inspector convention for that matter and go to the vendor area and look what all is available to us now. It's the profession is really advanced. Uh, another way I've heard this, uh, this saying is uh, businesses are like plants. They're either growing or they're dying. And I prefer growth. So this next thing is, um, he says, as the leader, And that's who we are as business owners. We're leaders, or we should be. It's our duty to make sure that everyone is successful. And how do we do that? I think we give them the resources that they need, the training, setting the expectation, giving them positive reinforcement, giving them coaching. And then the bottom line is we just get out of their way and let them do their thing that's my style of coaching or uh, our leadership, which is more servant, more, I guess, democratic. Um, I prefer to make decisions as a group. Uh, I'm not afraid to make the difficult decisions, but um, I, I think the it's one of the things that I say when, when I do a presentation, I'll go into a room and I'll ask, and you can steal this, okay? I'll ask, who's the smartest person in the room, who's the smartest? And people will look look around awkwardly. And I'm not really looking for an answer. Whoever that happens to be, that person is not smarter than all of us together. And so the whole concept of team, and that's what we say a lot, uh, at least in, in my firm, is team or family. Um, it's It's very true, you know, the acronym teams together, everyone achieves more. Very, very true. Um, And so I I couldn't agree more with Marcus's statement here. It's our obligation as leaders. And some of you might be still uh, a single operator. Um, If you're a parent, you're a leader, or you should be. Um, I think uh, anything produced by a gentleman by the name of John Maxwell uh, is worth reading and investing and learning from. And he's he's quoted as saying, I think it's him, as saying, it takes 10,000 hours to become a leader and another 40,000 hours to become a great leader. And that translates to 23 years. So a lot of us are still leaders in training and my belief is in order for you to uh, lead others and invest in them you've got to pour into yourself and we'll talk about that uh, later on as we go through this here's another one that uh, really resonates with me marcus is people for me is the only reason that businesses fail or they survive. And thankfully, um, over the course of my military career and corporate life, I had the privilege of serving under just phenomenal, just phenomenal leaders. With the exception of one. And, uh, that can really, um, set a person on their heels and, uh, and change their their correction, their their course uh, of where they're headed. So I try to remember all the great leaders that I've been around and grab the things that I learned from them and and incorporate it in my style of leadership. Um, People are the business. I've heard some business owners say, I keep my staff at arm's length. I don't want to be their friend. and you know what, that works for them, um, but not not for me. And so it's for that's up to you to decide. You know where you want to be with that. Maybe it's a hybrid. I don't know. But um, let's move on to the next slide. Marcus talks about three three things: the three P's. People, process, and product. And that is a constant thing. If you ever watch his show that is what he talks about and when you add the three of those it gets to the objective and that's to make money and that's not a um that's not a greedy thing to say um we're we have a responsibility to our families um to our staff and to our communities to run successful businesses and that means ones that make a profit so Let's break this down a little bit more. I love this quote. It's a, it's an African proverb. It says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go with others. So it's perfect for the topic of, of today's conversation, transitioning from a single operator to a multi-inspector, or maybe, You have two or three inspectors and you wanna get bigger. Um, One thing that we have to rely on is great people. So um, at some point uh, we can carve some time out and talk about how do you find those great people? How do you nurture them? Uh, How do you um, uh, attract them to your company? So, Any questions at this point, Brenda? Comments?
0: We have one, but it it really was, or it shows there's one chat, but it is just someone having an issue with their computer. So at this time, no questions. Gary? Yes? There's no questions at this time.
1: Okay, all right, thank you. All right, well, let's move on. What's the next step? What's the next P? Well, I want to define this a little bit better. People you need in in business, and I I broke it up into two different categories. The people we need internally and those that we need outside our business. So if you look at business models, at least in the service industry, uh, it can kind of be uh, categorized in three different categories. Growth and marketing. and oftentimes those two terms are used interchangeably. And who makes up that division? A representative um, and then um, a supervisor or a manager to uh, lead that person. Or, or maybe it's two reps, um, but um, that's an important division to have. But the reality is you can be the best inspector in, in, the, in your state unless people know about you, it doesn't mean anything. It's a very, very important um, division to have. And if that's not you, um, then hire somebody else uh, that can do that. I know some inspectors who think that marketing is uh, swinging by the realtor's offices and dropping off 75 business cards. The thought of them doing a presentation in front of a group of hundred agents, that's, that's not something they're capable of doing. I think we're all capable. It's not something they want to do or are comfortable doing. So if if that's if that's your case, then hire someone to do that. The next division is services, and that's your inspectors, uh, inspector supervisors, and as you get larger, managers. And then the third division is operations. And that's who we call our client care coordinators. Some people call them schedulers. Those are people that answer the phone, um, you know, schedule the inspections, that that type of thing. And then oftentimes, as you you get bigger, you'll have um, an office uh, operations lead, supervisor, or maybe an operations manager. So these are the folks that are needed uh, internally. As your business grows, this grows, it expands, and uh, and that sort of thing. This is a kind of a common model that we're seeing across the, the industry. Externally, um, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on each and every one of these, but I did wanna spend um, some time on the business attorney. Very important. you know. Do you go sole proprietorship, LLC, um, partnership? That's a very important um, person to, to have a relationship with. Who's gonna set up if you decide to have non-compete, non-solicitation? Um, who reviews your um, service agreement with your clients? Very important person. Bookkeeper. Some people do that internally think of doing that, but um, some people enjoy doing that or are good at it, a bookkeeper. Along with a bookkeeper, uh, CPA. Somebody who specializes in digital marketing, and I use that term very loosely, could be uh, someone who does not only digital marketing in the form of Facebook and Google ads and that sort of thing, but someone who maybe maintains the web, uh, someone who likes HTML code and, and knows the nuances of robots and, and spiders and meta, meta, meta tags, I think is what they're called. Um, again, that doesn't appeal to me. Could I learn it? Uh, could you learn it? Yes, possibly. But um, sometimes it's just better to outsource that. Uh, as you grow, um, you'll get more computers, more printers, um, just more things that need to be um, maintained, fixed, set up, that sort of thing. I'm not saying you have to have a full time person, but at least a relationship with someone who can uh, expeditiously address your needs. HR, human resources. Um, again, as you get bigger, um, that's a, a key component of virtually any operation next three we're going to spend time on because I think they're coach, mentor and an accountability partner.
0: Gary, I have a question. How many inspectors are in your firm, do you have an office staff, and do you have a brick and mortar office?
1: Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Um, so including me, and that's probably not fair to include, but including me, we have 10 uh, inspectors. Uh, With that, we have an inspection services manager uh, whose role is to train the inspectors, uh, do quality control. Um, He does uh, site inspections. Um, And we can talk more about that if you're interested. I think we've got uh, a section on that later coming up. Um, He does the interviewing He does the exit interviews, which hopefully we don't have many of those. Um, uh, He makes um, enhancements to our software. He's responsible for our standard operating procedures um, and just really the development of our inspectors. Okay, that's, that's important.
0: Another question is, my biggest question is, at what rate per inspector do you hire for marketing reps, schedulers, office manager, GM, etc. one scheduler per four inspectors?
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure. That's a great question. Let me finish the first question. We do have a brick and mortar. <laughs> my wife formed a uh, company, purchased a building, and I lease it from her. Um, so <laughs> so she, she's, she's got that figured out. But it's 2,700 square feet. Um, it's uh, We use pretty much all of it. Uh, we have a conference room. We have a training room. We have a kitchen. We have areas for the uh, schedulers to answer phones. Um, the managers have their own individual areas so they can think uh, it's just a very comfortable space. Is that a requirement? No, it's not a requirement. But um, so we, we have that. Um, I think there was a third part to that question, but I don't remember what it was at this moment. So let me uh, move to the next question. Um, what is the ratio of marketing folks uh, to inspectors? Um, have two marketing uh, folks and we have, like I said, our 10th inspector. So I'm not going to include myself in that anymore because I don't really do inspections. Um, so uh, we have two. I don't know that that's the right ratio. Um, we're also hiring a, what's called a virtual assistant, a VA uh, to help with outbound calls and um, establishing um New relationships with referral sources. Um, if if you've chosen the right marketing person, they more than pay for themselves over and over. It's, it's a huge multiple. It's one of the best things you can do for your business is uh, is hiring a, a growth person. And was there another question with that?
0: Uh, Yes, they were just asking, as an example, one scheduler per four inspectors.
1: Yeah, so we have two schedulers. Um, Mondays are um, a very hectic day uh, for for scheduling. Um, We also have a backup call center and, you know, we're going to talk about um, USPs later on in the presentation, Um, I would be answering your phone. And that's another discussion. It was it was such a difficult decision for me when I was doing inspections by myself. I just kind of had a rule that says when I'm inspecting, I'm not answering the phone. So can you imagine, all of you are my customer. I'm doing an inspection. We're uh, just about to enter the crawl space of the home. I look at it and i go excuse me hi this is gary with discovery inspections how can i help you oh a uh, three-bedroom two-bath house yeah can you tell me the, I'll, I'll be right with you uh can you tell me the the uh a little bit more about its age and what you're looking for for me i just think it's rude i i just think it's flat out rude not only is it rude but it's an interruption in my, my mental process. I should be fully focused on what I'm doing, that house and that customer. And now I just, I took a distraction. And so um, the risk there is, is somebody going to leave a voice message? Or are they gonna go next? I'll just, I'll just call, keep calling until I find somebody that answers the phone. I can tell you this as a consumer, when I have a problem with my computer, I have a a computer guy that I know, like, and trust. If he doesn't answer the phone and I got a problem, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go to the next guy or girl. So the importance of there's an expense of having people answer your phones. Um, And I trained them. To answer the phones, these are these are key things that I want said or not said. You know, we we practice inflection and and um, timing and you know a lot of this stuff. They're better than me now. In fact, they won't even let me answer the phone at my own company. <laughs> They're just better. So think about that. I know we all think that you know nobody can speak like me. Nobody can, you know, Insta phones like me, we keep track of everything we do as a company. There's an expression that I learned from the corporate world. You can't manage what you don't measure. Think about that. You can't manage what you don't measure. We measure everything. And they're called um, KPIs, key performance indicators or um, metrics. Some people call them metrics. You know, when, when you're trying to lose weight, your metric or your KPI is decided by the scales, right? And your record of your progress, that's your metric. So, and many of you likely are ISN users. Uh, they have a, a call close ratio um, feature in ISN um, that tells you how well you're. When the call rings, and that's the marketing or growth division's responsibility, is to make that phone ring. Well, once it does, it's the responsibility of your operations team, your client care coordinators, your schedulers, to convert that into actual business. So I can tell you ours, and I'm very proud to say this, is around 94%. 94. So 94 out of 100 times, we're booking the inspection. Now, you might think, well, what about your backup call center? What are they like? Well, they're at 91%. They run 3 to 4% behind our local folks. I'm okay with that. That's a pretty high number. Did I answer all that?
0: No, yes, sir, and I'll kind of push a couple of these questions together. I think we can answer it and it is, how do you structure your pay for inspectors? Is it per job, per hour? Did you have to change your pricing structure when you went to a multi-inspector program? And are your inspectors full-time, part-time, or 1099s?
1: (laughs) Wow, those are some great questions. and You grouped a lot of them together, I think. (laughs) Um, So, there's different pricing models out there. And um, I'm in several different groups nationwide. So I get to see so many different ways of doing it. And it's such a great debate. Um, do you pay hourly? Do you pay a uh, flat rate? Do you pay commission? Um, they all have their pluses and minuses. And I think the industry is still trying to figure it out. Um, you play pay flat rate let's say you pay i'll just throw a number 125 dollars in inspection okay so i go i go and i do a two-bedroom uh, condo and i'm done in an hour and a half i'm happy as an inspector the next job i get it's a double wide on a crawl space with with two barns and i'm there for four hours not so happy so um i'm not sure that's the route to go uh the percentage that seems to be the oldest, most established uh, method of, of paying. Um, the problem with that is, if I raise uh, prices for uh, our inspections, everybody gets an automatic raise. Automatic, whether they earned it or deserve it or not, they get a raise. Hmm. Not sure I like that one. Uh, that's where we are now. Um, and then uh the hourly i know california is is kind of leading the way on that um you get a factory in overtime and that sort of thing i'm not trying to avoid the uh the question i just don't know that anybody has the ultimate uh proven method of getting it done uh in a way that's beneficial uh to the employees and um also manageable uh, and profitable for the company. So um, it's a great question. I just don't have a really solid answer for it. Again, I, right now we're, we're, we're doing commission because that's all we've done for years and years. Um, I think there was another question in there that um, I, sh- I need something to write with. That was a good group there.
0: Last question I have for you is how many schedulers did you say that you had?
1: Yeah, so we have we have two schedulers. Uh, the other thing too, remember I came from the military. One of the things that military does better than anybody else in the world, anyone, is transitioning of personnel. They got it down, and um, and I'll speak in general terms. Um, most military transfers happen in two years, maybe three. Um, so there's constant movement. And, um, and so they do something to counter that and it's called cross-training. So if one person gets taken out of service, uh, another can, can quickly step in there and do that. So we've done some cross-training with, with, um, with our growth and our marketing team. We have two full-time people answering the phones, Um, and when it really gets, uh, hot and heavy, um, then the marketing, the growth folks will jump in and and answer phones as well. But you know what? Here's the thing with, with technology, the way it is, golly, now can you might have one person answering the phone and the overflow can go to your call center. That's possible. Um, so that's the ratio that we have. Right now, and it works. Um, We just, I think, I think missing a call for a business is a kiss of death. You need to answer all those calls.
0: I think that probably answers all of the questions, Gary. One came back and asked, What percentage on the commission?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another. That's another one that's uh, of great debate, and I don't, I don't mind sharing um, mine. I told you I'd be transparent with everything, and I certainly am. Um, <laughs> there's, there's an expression called the golden handcuffs, and I'm not sure if you've heard that or not, but, but I can tell you, turnover for a company is very expensive, very expensive. When I say turnover, people don't stay long. And in years ago, when, when, when someone would approach me, Hey, um, I need to talk with you. Oh God. I already know what that means. I already know what that means. And um, I do this internal self-reflection thing going, Oh my God, what did, what, how did I not serve this person? Why would they go elsewhere? And there's a great um, company owner out of uh, Washington, D.C. His name's Rob Hopkins. He runs ProTech. And he taught me something years ago. And initially, I didn't like the expression, but I get it now. He said simply this. Employees are temporary. Hmm. Employees are temporary. So, you know, years ago, and it was really probably the generation before mine, people would be, you know, at a company you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, I worked with the guy at Delta Airlines. Um, He was 86 years old as a mechanic and we gave him the easiest job he could possibly do. He used a screwdriver to work on a simple uh, component and invariably uh, at various points during the day, he would stop rotating his screwdriver, take a nap, and then a few minutes later, come back too, and he'd start working again, and nobody bothered him. (laughs) It's very unusual for someone to be there that long. So there's an expression called the golden handcuffs. And what it means is we as business owners need to be creatively thinking of ways to... Keep our, keep our folks happy. Keep them keep them in the company. Keep them looking uh, at other opportunities. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have a different mindset now. When someone comes to me and says, hey, um, I'm, I'm taking a position. We had one inspector leave to go to the FAA to be an um, air traffic controller. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but they make a handsome salary. There's no way I could counter that um, and ninety five percent of me this is truthful ninety five percent of me said, God, I'm happy for this guy. He is advancing his life and uh for the good the five percent I was selfish going, oh my god we're we're losing him, you know so. But the reality is I want to be a sponsor for other people's success. And I hope that you guys and gals on the call are the same way. You know, don't freak out when when employees, if they're with you two, three, four, five years, then they blessed your business. They were part of your life. And you were a part of theirs. And so um, anyway, it's kind of a long I think I, I varied a little bit, but um, what do we pay our, our uh, employees? Oh, I'm talking about the inspectors uh, on the commission side. Um, and, and I've got colleagues all over on the place. Some go as high as 50%, which is very difficult to um, have profit left for the company. 50% is really high. It's really unusual to be at 50% um other companies that are colleagues of mine they're they start around 25 percent you think golly they don't think much of their folks um but there's other things they do for them like gym memberships and they have health and dental benefits and 401k and uh, they get to drive a vehicle and um i don't know what else you know things like that and so i'm kind of in the middle with it. Um, we're we're Routinely exploring that, we start our folks off at thirty percent. You think thirty percent. My business model is is this: as the inspector gains um, credentials, they're more meaningful. They're more valuable to the uh, to the clients. And they're more valuable to us, and so we increase their compensation. So when they pick up um, additional certifications. In our case, it's radon, it's indoor air quality, it's uh, commercial inspections and code certification, and then I think the fifth one is certified master inspector. So every one of those, they gain 2%, so up to 40%.
0: all right that's all the questions i have gary so for the next group thank you all right let's
1: listen you got to keep me on track brenda because i i could go on and on and on you give me that shepherd's hook okay
0: (laughs) you're good
1: all right so remember the other p this is processes what does that mean you know, how we do things. Now, admittedly, one of my favorite foods to eat, a little treat for me, is going to Outback Steakhouse. And What do I like at Outback Steakhouse? I like the coconut fried shrimp, okay? And it's expensive, it's probably overpriced, but that's a treat for me. And that sets the stage for the rest of the eating experience. Now, when we talk about processes, When I eat coconut fried shrimp in Georgia or I go to Florida or Kansas City or San Diego, I'm kind of expecting a similar flavor, similar number of shrimp, uh, similar presentation. I expect the pricing might be different, but if their process is right, the experience should be very similar same thing for us when you go from one inspector to three to five to ten or twenty or whatever you have there should be some similarities in your in how your inspection is done now what's the difference the difference is going to be in personality types and we've got a wide variety on our team um got some that uh would rather Uh, They'd rather inspect alone with the house and maybe one with the home. Uh, Got some that uh, enjoy telling stories and the interaction with the clients and talk about favorite barbecue restaurants that happen to be in the area, Uh, big personalities. Everybody's different, but the experience should be similar. So how do you set that up? I think it's important to have a training manual. Um, And we think training, I'm not just talking about your inspectors, I want you to think about training for your growth folks, training for your your, uh, schedulers, um, so that we have that consistency. Another manual I think is important is administrative manual. How how do we collect checks? What do we do in the event that we have a bad check that comes in? Uh, What's what's our policy on inclement weather? you know, that type of thing, administrative manual. And that should also be uh, components of HR, your smoke, your tobacco use policy, and your sexual harassment policy, and that sort of thing. Growth in the marketing folks, they should have their own manual. SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. You now, how is it we take a water quality sample? From one inspector to the next, We should have a standard operating procedure that should be um, uh, directed from in the training manual that says, hey, when we get to the property, we're gonna sanitize the the kitchen uh, faucet. We're gonna run the water for two minutes. We're gonna take our sample. We're gonna bottle it up. We're gonna document we have 24 hours. All of that should be like regiment, um, no deviations, and that's what it's that's what a SLP does. And this is what this is what these processes, it's really don't don't gloss over this. Here's the thing. One of my mentors told me years ago, Sloan, every day you should be doing something to make your business more sellable. Every day. Well. I agree with them every day. So when a company comes in, or an investor comes in, or you know a possible future owner owner comes in, they're going to want to look. They're going to ask for these processes. Uh, another show that I watch on TV is Repo Airplane, or I can't remember the name of it, but guys that go out and repossess um, airplanes, <laughs> and they they get these airplanes, the airplanes it's only half its value if they don't have all the maintenance records with the airplane. And so you're not going to get value out of your business unless you have these things that are on this slide. So is there a question that came out of this? Because I feel like there is.
0: Let's see what we've got. Um, do you hire and train new inspectors or prefer experienced inspectors Mm -hmm. and do you require a specific commitment um and the last question there was what is your average inspection fee for a 2500 square foot home with having commissions taken out
1: yeah all right i'll try to remember that um i remember uh a a bit of the, one of the earlier questions, do you have any part-time inspectors? And the answer to that is yes. Is that what I want? No, part-time inspectors. To me, it's like having a part-time doctor. And you know what? I was a part-time inspector for 10 years. So how hypocritical I am now, but I did everything I could in terms of training, my tools, my procedures, everything, such that no one ever suspected I was a part-time inspector. So the part-time inspectors we have now, uh, we have one, yeah, one. He's a firefighter. He's actually a captain at a a fire station and he is so good at what he does. And we feel in two years, he's gonna retire from that. And he's gonna be with us full-time um so can it be done yes uh it's it's oftentimes the availability thing so let's say your inspector does an inspection today he goes back on shift tomorrow he's a firefighter uh the client calls in and says hey i got a question on page 29 about what he wrote up on this i think it's a little awkward for our office to be calling him while he's on shift working for another employer I think that's just difficult, maybe unreasonable. So, so there's that, Um, average inspection fee. Um, last time I checked, we were at 535. So you want to know what, how do you get average? That's rolling everything that we do into it. Everything, um, our ancillary services, um, you know, there might be a way in ISN or Next Inspect or whoever you're using to um, segregate those out. So it's, you know, if you do a standalone, like a radon test for let's say $150, well that pulls, if you, if you group that in with your regular inspections, that actually pulls the overall inspection feed down. Um, when you do a $2,500 commercial inspection, that pulls it up. So, um, yeah, as it is right now, we're at five, I think it was 35 last time I checked. Um, And I think there was something else to that question. Um, Help me, Brenda.
0: Okay, Uh, looking at it, they were wanting to know the average uh, for taking commissions out, but I'm I'm getting a few more questions um, in here and they are do you hire someone to write the SOPs and other uh processes and then do you provide the inspection tools and equipment
1: yeah great questions um no the SOPs are written by the people that
0: are responsible for them
1: and so we have a um we have um a standard operating procedure template. Uh, and that's really important. That's a writer downer, okay? Make sure you have a template. And, um, you know, the template is, gives you that consistency. Um, so when one division's reading another one's work, they can follow right along, uh, that type of thing. And, and we don't let just one person write it. You know, oftentimes when I write things, man, they, you know, I think I'm Edgar Allan Poe you know, when I write this stuff. Someone else reads it and they go, what is he saying? So we have a review process um, that we go through. Um, so, so there's that. And what was the other piece?
0: Let's see, it was, and I screwed it up to see if I could reword anything in those previous questions. Uh, do you provide inspection
1: tools? and oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, if I'm going to tell you, um, if you uh, are an employer and you have employees, it's really unusual for you to expect them to buy their own tools. I think it's unusual. Um, I wouldn't expect an, an inspector to have to buy an infrared camera or a laptop or a tablet, or I wouldn't expect them to have to pay for software. Um, You know, uh, if they want extras of things like, you know, the company provides a flashlight, then if they want a backup flashlight, then they can get that. Um, But we have a tool list and we expect our inspectors to have everything on the list. And you know what my inspection services manager does? He checks from time to time to make sure everybody's got what they're supposed to have. Because if if we don't do that, oh, you know, that that sensor went bad on the carbon monoxide detector. And I've been meaning to tell you, well, how long has it been bad? Uh, Quite a while. (laughs) So now if you have 1099s, which are independent contractors, um, And there's a big brouhaha with that right now. You know, that bill passed in the Senate of the House, and now it's going to the Senate. Um, They want to get rid of um, 1099s nationwide. Um, It's going to have a direct impact on many companies. But nonetheless, uh, if, if you have 1099s, and you're providing tools, and you're telling them where to go at what time, you're taking a huge risk because based on IRS rules, their employees.
0: Okay, and we've got two good questions. I think this will be uh, something that a lot of the attendees would like to know. And it would be, what would be the first steps to go from one person or themselves to the first trainee? Second question, where do you find your prospective new inspector employees?
1: All right. uh, can can you jot those down, Brenda? Because I think those are going to be answered in the upcoming slides.
0: Okay, I will most definitely do that. All right. Well, Great
1: questions. Keep those questions coming, because it, like I said, I, I had hoped this had been this would be interactive, uh, just having a conversation, and yeah, I, I love these questions. There hasn't been a bad one yet. All right. Why are we doing this? right? I mean, that's the bottom line. And for me, um, I'm 56 years old. Um, A lot of my friends are beginning to retire. (laughs) And I see what what their stress level has, how how that's diminished. You know, um, that's, that's the point of us doing all this work, you know, building our businesses up, like I said earlier, so that we can make them attractive, so that we could sell them and that, that be our retirement. So that's that's a pretty good incentive. All right, I wanna share a tool that was shared with me. Some of you may know about this, uh, others may not. Um, it's called SWOT analysis. And I put a graphic here, uh, so it kind of defines what it is but it stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So this is typically where I like to use a, uh, it's called a mind map. And the mind map is nothing more than you have a center objective. Okay. That's your goal. That's your target. That's your mission. That's your objective. Okay. Well, how, how do you plan on accomplishing that? What's, what's the tactical uh, approach to that? And, and let, me, let me make it real simple. Let's say you want to lose 25 pounds by 4th of July. What are you going to do for that? What's some ideas? Mm, let's see. I could drink more water. Okay. I could sleep more. Um, I could take the stairs at the office instead of the elevator. I could hire a nutritionist. I could go to a gym. Like, again, an accountability partner at the gym. Uh, All of these things are supporting activities for your goal. And so when you do a SWOT analysis, when you look at strengths, what is it that you do good in your company? What is it? Uh, Are you good with the technical side? Are you um, an expert on new construction? Uh, Are you good at writing standard operating procedures? Are you good with first-time home buyers? Um, Do you specialize in working with engineers, which can be very, uh, they're just deep thinkers. Uh, (laughs) They they make for long inspections. Um, What is it that is a strength of yours? Um, And so you outline all that. Opportunities, opportunities, Hey, they're um, extending uh, the highway down in, into um, my County. Uh, there's going to be a mall down there. Uh, there's going to be supporting businesses and uh, multifamily housing. It's an opportunity for me to get in there and, uh, and promote my service. An opportunity might be um, nobody in my area does um, sewer, ca- sewer scan inspections. I'll be the first um opportunity is is what it sounds let's go to weaknesses uh one of the weaknesses i have admittedly and i think i already shared this with you is um numbers (laughs) knowing your numbers and it's really really important know your numbers um your cash flow uh, accounts receivable accounts payable um is it time to invest um you know what's our profit margin that's just some, not something I'm good at, and I don't want to be good at it. So I'm hiring someone to be my advisors. Um, it's a weakness, and I'm okay with it being a weakness. Um, threats. I kind of divide this up into two categories an internal threat and an external threat. An internal threat might be, um, let's say I get COVID, I can't inspect anymore. If I'm not inspecting and I'm the only inspector, what does that do to my income? Right. I just, uh, I just had, uh, foot surgery. I still can't drive. That's, that's an impact on my, on my business. Um, what if I get burned out because I'm working so many hours or I have somebody on my team that says, um, I'm burnt out, and I just want to go back to being a stay-at-home mom. It's a threat. Uh, External threats. Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, storms in Texas. Maybe uh, interest rates going back up. Maybe oil prices going back up. We get involved in another war. I mean, just um, housing shortage. Those are all threats. We can't control them, but um, we can react to them or respond to them. Uh, We just need to know they're there. It's very healthy for all of you to do a SWOT analysis. If you don't know how to do one, there's so much information on YouTube. There's some great tutorials there, Uh, do it. This is an important slide. Is there any questions on it, Brenda?
0: I'll take that as and... I'm so sorry, Gary, it, it takes a moment since I mute myself to get that going. Um, I, I have a couple of questions here. I don't know if you'll answer them now or we move on. Uh, it's, do you only hire InterNACHI's CPI in some states? It's not required to be certified or licensed. Uh, and it says, I personally think I would only do a certified or licensed person. Another says if you have an older solo inspector losing his eyesight, needs your input on hiring an inspector that can help get reports out in a timely manner and how to seek for one. So those are two really just questions on your hiring practices.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the um, older inspector losing his eyesight. is there another opportunity for him to serve in your company? Could he be a trainer? Could be. Could he be um, writing SOPs? Uh, could he be an inspector assistant? Um, you know, it depends on uh, how valuable that person is. Um, if that person has been loyal, uh, has had a positive attitude, has had low complaints. Um, I'm going to move mountains for that person and try to accommodate them. Um, so what was the other question, please?
0: OK, the other question was, and let me move this over a little bit, do you hire only uh, or not to CPIs?
1: Yeah. So um, again, that's a, that's a great roundtable discussion with multi-inspector uh, owners nationwide. Um, I just hired someone, uh, she's 19 years old, and I said, she, 19, and, and I told her, um, I said, you're going to be discriminated against for two reasons, one, you're female, and two, you're young, and I said, so we're equal opportunity here, here's the thing, you got to be better than me that's what I told her. You gotta be better than me. And folks, you know what she said? She leaned forward and she said, game on. Game on. She went through all of InterNACHI. She's went through uh, our um, training program uh, that, that's a supplement to InterNACHI. Um, she's out there inspecting alone now, uh, doing solo inspections. Um, And we're getting positive feedback already on her. So um, everybody has an opportunity uh, to do um, pretty much anything they want within our firm, provided uh, they have the drive to do so. And I call that grit. You know, there's... I hired our first uh, office manager. She made so many mistakes. I swore I was being tested by the Lord. And I should have fired her multiple times and she would tell you that as well. But she never gave up. She never passed the buck. And she has been with us 10 years now. Oh, so I wanna answer the question on the CPI um i don't really care um i I think that sets um a educational foundation if if you pull somebody from the street and start taking them on inspections they're going to be so lost because they just do not have the foundational educational foundation uh to understand even what they're looking at um so we've done it as a blend um where they join us, um, and they do they go through InterNACHI while they're doing the field training with us. Uh, that seems to work okay. Um, so I think there's probably more to that question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna delve into it. Um, is there anybody that you wouldn't hire um, with respect to, What if it's it's an inspector that's got tons of experience and he's just tired of being his own boss? He just wants to be an inspector. Well, this is where I'll tell you um, we have a multi-step interview process. Multi-step. It's pretty intense. Um, And um, I got that concept from Dave Ramsey. It was a financial guru many of you may know and he was doing a presentation and I was there and he said uh, he said um, do, you know how many, do you know how many interviews it takes to get into uh, my, my company and he said depends on it depends on the uh, position but anywhere between 10 and 13 interviews 10 and 13 and he says well the reason for that is, I've got to keep the crazies out of my building. Now, admittedly, we don't have that many interviews. Um, But the reality we we do, it's a multi-step interview process. Um, And it's because we simply want the best. Uh, And I don't mind sharing this with you. I have a 19-year-old daughter. She's trying to get into the Air Force Academy. It is not an easy thing to do. It's not. you got to get congressman's nomination interviews physical fitness test academics community service and and honestly they they probably take less than one percent of people who apply it is not an easy thing to do but and and i don't care if it's the air force academy or west point or naval academy all of them have very high standards and that's what you know that's what we want for our, our customers, high standards. And the, let me just tell you something. I don't know what your reaction was to the cost of our inspection. We're probably one of the more expensive, uh, expensive companies in the area. Um, and I don't mean this uh, disrespectfully at all, at all. But um, cheaper inspectors, um, know less, do less. And that's why they charge less. So if you're going to charge more, you better bring it. And bringing it means having high standards, great equipment, quality control, awesome staff, great customer service, and just a world-class experience, not just an inspection. You can charge more. Okay.
0: If you would... Just one question that kind of relates to that, Gary. It says, what is a good starting salary for someone that just obtained their license? They were working as a sales person uh, with Windows. They, they made about 70 to 90,000 yearly. His target is 50,000.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very doable. Um, I don't know what area of the U.S. that is. I would think in some areas of California, that salary would be very difficult to stretch. But um, I think it's a fair question for all of us to be asking. What, what salary range uh, do you have to have to provide for your family? And then what do you want? Those are two different numbers, usually. Um You know, they're saying, well, I, you know, I got to make 120 to 140,000, not many inspectors. I can't think of any inspectors that make that much. So there's no point in in continuing with the conversation, but 50,000, that's very reasonable. Um, You know, you got to keep that inspector busy and uh, I want the inspectors um, earning more than they need.
0: Okay, I think that probably answered it. And someone said, how long do you mentor or train someone before they're ready to be in the field and complete inspections on their own?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, Again, um, when you talk to multi-inspector companies, you're going to get different answers on this. Um, I think overall, NACI training is uh, academically uh, good training. And we continue to train uh, with nachi training um there are things that um, field that nachi training um doesn't cover you know um and one of them is emotion management and if you're not good with emotion management Uh, And I'm talking about yours as an inspector and helping manage emotion of the buyers, the sellers, contractors, family members. Um, Take some courses on that. Really important. You know, I I hate the expression that we get called deal killers. I hate that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anybody out there that tries to write a report or pounds his chest to say, hey, look at all the bad things I found about this house. Um, you know, we're professionals, so I'd rather be called contract assassins. Now that, that's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it's not a good joke, but it's a joke. <laughs> um, so the Nazi training is, is, a, is a great foundation. The field training, to what we do, we used to do 100 inspections escorted by um, a seasoned inspector, 100 inspections. That's a lot. That's a lot of time. Um, so we played with the number. We backed it down to 50 inspections. What I don't want to do is, is compromise the readiness of the inspector. Uh, what I do want to do is get that inspector signed off so he's not re- receiving trainee pay that he's or she is getting inspector pay so um we're at 50 it's actually in our contract 50 inspections i'm going to tell you that is a moving floating target so it could be slightly less it could be more i had one inspector said i'm not ready yet and i think at the 80th inspection we both agreed it was time to go solo so there's a lot to the the field training you know how do you set up the inspection Uh, we call it a kitchen talk um you're thanking the customer you're reviewing the concerns that they expressed with your client care coordinators over the phone You're outlining what you can do and what you can't do during the inspection. Uh, You're giving them safety tips. You're reminding them that you and they are both inside someone else's personal environment. So, you know, don't jump on the beds or, you know, you just, people do weird things during inspections and you know who takes the hit? The inspector. And I'm sure you all have stories of that. You know, uh, I got a, a complaint years ago. The lady said that I, our inspector trashed the house. How disrespectful. So I couldn't wait to figure out who it was. It was me. I did the inspection. I called her up and, and she said, she said, you did the inspection? I said, you ran the water in my sink. In the kitchen sink, yeah. She said, well, why would you do that? I said, well, we have to check flow and look for Hot water temperature and does it leak and she said it's fine but what you didn't do is you didn't bother to have the courtesy to take a towel and wipe down the water droplets from the inside of the stainless steel sink and now i've got spots there so i ended up driving an hour and a half back to wipe down her sink um anyway um, Emotion management during an inspection. You can kill. You can kill an inspection just by the facial expression on your on, on your your facial expression, body language, facial expression, the words that you use. You know, we don't use words like adjectives like butchered. Now that was really butchered. Boy, they butchered that one. Or this is the the third house in this subdivision. I found the same problem. Why why would you say things like that? So. Um, you know, learning how to talk. I, I love magic and, and part of the experience of magic is, is delivered by the pattern, the dialogue the magician gives to set up the trick. It's the same thing with us. There's a pattern that we should be using during the inspection, at the beginning of the inspection and at the end of the inspection to close. And sometimes we have to um, you know manage a motion during the middle of the inspection because the house is maybe revealing things that um, they didn't notice on their first and only visit to the home. So okay. Brenda, we have 15 minutes left. Is that correct? Yes, sir.
0: You actually have almost um, I would say because we were a little bit late starting, we probably
1: have about okay. 10 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, let me move on to the next slide then. I think we've covered SWOT analysis pretty, pretty well. Uh, define yours. Now, here's the ingredients to pretty much any business out there. Forget, just, forget home inspections for a minute. But it starts with having a mindset or a vision, Okay. So if if any of you were to invite me to um, your home uh, and, and you were kind enough to pick me up at the airport and I got in the car, one of the things I might say to you is, before I buckle my seat, tell me where we're going. So before I leave the company that I'm currently disgruntled with, and joining yours, tell me where we're going. What's the future of the company look like? Where do I fit in on that? Are there advancement opportunities? What 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 can potentially happen with my salary? So you as a business owner need to decide what your vision is. It's your vision. Um, so, that's step one. Step two is the strategy, and how are you going to execute that? How are you going to go about that? And there's great words in here. Oh, look at that! Right above strategy, it says SWAT. Well, there you go. Um, timeline. When's this going to happen? You know, goals. That's the strategy. How are you going to make it happen? And the third, which is the most appealing to all of you, I guarantee it, you ready? It's the tools. So the vision or mindset, the strategy, and the tools. When I go to InterNACHI's um, <laughs> conferences, one of the most attended areas is the vendor area. Why? Because that's where the tools are. We love tools. And one of my favorite stores is Lowe's or Home Depot. I don't care. I like them both. You know, I, I grab a buggy when I go in there and I can't wait to put things in my buggy. And that's kind of how I am at, at um, you know, the, the vendor areas of these internet these inspector conventions. You know, what's the latest infrared camera? Or there's a crawl bot. You know, how many of those should we buy? Or there's a body camera. Uh, Can I get a deal if I buy 10 of them? You know, so the tools. But I want to talk about, it's not just physical tools. We want to talk about that. I'll, I'll share with that. What business tools are you going to use? So let's move forward. Here's another technique that's really, really effective. It's called benchmarking. And I'm not sure how many of you have heard it, it's something that I used to do when I was in the corporate world, and we're doing that now um, in the inspection world. What does benchmarking mean? I'm gonna read it. It's, it's in, benchmarking business is a way of comparing best industry practices against your own organization's processes or your business to identify performance gaps and achieve a competitive advantage. Benchmarking can be applied against any process, approach, function, or product in business. So when I was in the, uh, the airline industry, uh, we had a big uh, high level meeting and a high ranking individual from the FAA came to uh, our meeting. He says, you know, he said, you have some great people in your company. You really do. He said, but you have this mindset that if the idea isn't born within your company, it simply can't exist. And he said, and and some of our management team got offended. (laughs) And he said, do you need to go out there in your industry or other industries and beg, borrow, or steal the best ideas? Now, that's a harsh way of putting it. But benchmarking um, is extremely valuable. And so think about uh, opportunities in your area. Do you know who I've benchmarked recently? Um, I benchmarked uh, Lexus dealership. Alexis dealership. How is it they make it such a positive experience with, with their folks? I benchmarked Disney, I took a Disney cruise. Phenomenal experience, they make it magical. So um, you can benchmark other uh, companies that are willing to do that with you. Uh, We have an open policy for any inspectors in our area. They can come visit us, they can jump in on inspector meetings. We've had that before. Um, In fact, next week, We've got, I think it's six different companies coming from uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida um, to sit in on our um, staff meetings and our inspector meetings. And we're just going to do some brainstorming and masterminding to help each other out. Remember what I said before, no one of us is smarter than all of us together. Questions? Questions? I don't have a question. Okay, so I think you said I don't have a question. All right, next slide. Uh, Anyone recognize who this is? You can put it in the chat. Just type the person's name. Um, this guy has won 17 golden gloves what what makes me impressed with him is he benchmarked other companies in this case other other baseball teams you think well how did he do that he actually paid a company to provide him critical information on the batting habits and statistics of the teams he was going to face next. Did the batter have a habit of letting the first pitch go? Uh, Did the batter prefer hitting a knuckleball, a fastball, curveball? He paid, allegedly, $35,000 for this batting report every game he played. He knew what it took to be a Hall of Famer. And there's information out there that um, we need to invest in. You know, there's, there's information brokers that, you know, you can pull up, hey, how many houses have closed in the last 12 months that are new construction you can buy that you can pay for that information and set up a email or um, postcard campaign to say hey i know your house is about to uh, uh, lose its first year warranty Uh, would you be interested in us doing a comprehensive inspection before you give up your warranty it's just an example I couldn't help but look at this guy's elbow. And it's no wonder they have surgery and shoulder pain. <laughs> um, all right. Love this quote from Harry S. Truman. I think he was our 33rd president, if not mistaken. Not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And admittedly, I'm not um, that great of a reader. Uh, I like to watch videos. Um, but um, I try to read a book a month and uh, expect the same of my staff. And we don't read the same book. And so uh, when we get together, we um, brief each other on what the last few chapters in the, in the book that we were reading, what we gathered from that. It's pretty cool. Uh, remember what I said, invest in your, invest in your team, personal development professional development. Um, I thought it would be good to share some of the books uh, that have been meaningful to us. And I'm not going to talk about each one in the interest of time. Um, Good to Great is a phenomenal book by by Jim Collins. I read that years ago, and uh, I don't know if it's been updated since, but a fantastic book. There's an easy read if, if you want an easy read. This is about two to two and a half hours. Um, it's called, Who Moved My Cheese? And what it talks about is change. And there's always change. There's change in our industry. There's change in our business. And there's you know change in um, just how we do things. So it's, it's a great, great read, really easy read. Um, I'd recommend that. Here's another one called Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, uh, It's part of the EOS system, Entrepreneur Operating System. Uh, This is one of the staple books that they have. It talks about the importance of having regimented meanings um, that are meaningful uh, and structured properly. And uh, there's there's just a wealth of information uh, in this book. And a book list would not be complete without Dale Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think this was originally written in 1955, um, and our marketing manager is reading it now. Moving on, um, another great book by Stephen Covey, Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective. What is it uh, they commonly do? Uh, to be effective and successful, and uh, that's, that's a good read. In fact, uh, one of my colleagues took the contents of this book and created a lunch and learn. Why couldn't you do that? Another phenomenal book called Atomic Habits love the expression at the front, tiny changes will will lead to remarkable results. It's a it's a great read as well. And then uh, here's one I do want to spend a little bit of time with. Um, this is called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I refer to this book a lot. I recommend it a lot. In in the book, uh, I'll tell you. I'm not, uh, you know what I'm going to tell you. Um, he talks about a bakery, and one of, one of the individuals in the bakery is the baker, and this person gets up, doesn't mind getting up at three o'clock in the morning, getting to work at four, firing up the ovens, kneading the dough, baking the pastries, getting everything ready for the store to open uh, just in time for the manager to come in, open the store, turn the lights on, get everything ready, pricing's good, the floors are clean, Uh, They're greeting customers. They have a relationship with local customers. They know what they like. Uh, That's the manager. And then the third person, the third role is the entrepreneur, the actual owner of the company. And the owner doesn't like to do those other things, but the owner is really good with numbers and has a great business mind and says, hey, you know what? We want to expand into other areas of the city. And then when we really get this thing rolling, we're actually going to franchise. Those are three different roles. And when you're a single operator, you have one or two inspectors, those roles are kind of blurred. We're almost doing all of it, right? So um, as you grow, um, you'll, you'll define what is it um, you're good at, what is you like, and uh, you get to divvy up and delegate uh, to, to others. Um, it's, it's just when we're in a role that just doesn't fit well. That makes for a miserable life. I got some good news for you. If you don't like reading books, here is an app. It's called Blinkist. It will actually uh, take the contents of the book, and they currently have 4,500 nonfiction titles. They've, they've basically... Um, outline cliff notes um, that are no longer than 15 minutes that highlight the the, the contents of the books. So there's something for everyone there.
0: Okay, are you ready for some questions? Boy, I'm ready. All right. Um, And I, I won't go back until you tell me to on the questions that were asked earlier but uh what inspection program format do you use and do you have everyone on the same program or do they use their own versions and turn it into you for review
1: all right let me take that one first okay okay you remember i was talking about three-part ncr forms um (laughs) handwritten forms agent you know there's somebody i'm told and i can't from confirm this, somebody in my area that still does handwritten reports. I, I don't see how, but um, you know, technology is is uh, is available. There's really some phenomenal software packages out there. Um, you know, with with trials, um, gauge is one um, Home Inspector Pro is another um, Spectora is another um, there's there's several horizon makes one um there's several out there that are really really good um what i did is um i sampled pretty much every single one that was out there um and oftentimes it's just a personal thing you know i like how it looks or it's easy to navigate uh for me i wanted to make sure that we had uh, collaborative editing and what i mean by that is if i double up or triple up on an inspection with two or three inspectors i want them them all to simultaneously be able to work on the same report and update um, and many of them are getting that way we currently use uh, Spectora. Um i think it's probably the most expensive out there um I would say that it's if Apple were to design a software, it would look like Spectora. But, you know, there's some folks that are very happy with their software out there. Uh, Talk to them. Um, We do not have a review process for the inspectors. When the inspectors are um, given the right to do solo inspections, uh, they've got it all. They do their inspection, they write the report, and... They're required to do a review of their their work before it actually gets sent out. Uh, later on, I'm going to be talking about quality control uh, on that, so I'll share that with you. But um, you know, my my encouragement to any of you: don't be afraid to try new software. You know, um, we were using uh, Home Inspector Pro successfully, and um, you know. I, Spectora caught my eye. I said, you know, um, my biggest fear is this change. Uh, how long is it going to take my inspectors to learn it? And she said, two days. Uh, I said, yeah, right. Um, it really was about two days. Um, so they, they could be proficient. But again, there's a lot of great software uh, out there. Um, ask Ask around, do the trials, and see what fits for you.
0: Okay. Uh, Several questions here. So let's see if I can put them together. It says, how do you bring on your first inspector? Do you start them following right away shadowing you? And do you train them nights and weekends? And what pay would you pay them as they shadow you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I don't expect people work nights and weekends. I, I don't. If they want to, I mean, we don't work nights. How can you inspect a a house or commercial building in the dark? Uh, I wouldn't want to do it, but um, Saturdays, we do Saturdays. I've done Sunday inspections. I've done holiday inspections. Um, You know, my thing is people deserve their time off. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these leaders that says, hey, if you want time off, take time off and you shouldn't feel guilty about asking for it. You've earned it. Um, During the training period, um, I'm just thinking of other inspection companies, all about our own. We we pay $50 in inspection uh, to be a trainee. Uh, If it's a big house, they're gonna earn more. Because uh, they're they're going to be there longer. If it's a commercial, they're going to earn more because they're there longer. But you know, people have to live. They have to support their family. Um, so you know, and, and it's kind of a built-in incentive. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I want to earn more than fifty dollars an in inspection.
0: So. Okay, and here's a, a question from. An accounting, stand part. I understand this part, and it is what is the cost to get new training inspecting by themselves from the first day you meet until they are inspecting by themselves. In other words, how much money are you out before they are bringing in money?
1: Yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty uh, straight up. You know, if if you're the uh, if if you've got W 2s then you've got a cost there with. With uh, your software, with your electronics, and I say electronics, I'm talking about a tablet or uh, a laptop. Um, you've got software rental or software purchase. Uh, you've got uniforms. I think um, our industry is a service industry, and people should wear uniforms. That's, you know, at one of my mentors years ago, I said, if you're going to be in the game, you got to wear the uniform. I agree with them. So um, that, um, and then their salary for doing fifty inspections, you can figure that out. Fifty times fifty is what, twenty five hundred dollars. And there's other fees associated with that. You know, if you want to give them super lockbox access, and you know, you've got to pay for um, if you decide to have. Um, you know, a lawyer on retainer or, uh, E&O insurance, there's there's other fees that that aren't coming to mind right now. But, um, you, you know, it, there's an investment. And that's why it's so dang important that you make the right choice. Um, and somebody doesn't stay with you for two weeks and go, hey, you know what, um, I didn't realize it, but I'm in crawl spaces. <laughs> or, um, I get real shaky on ladders I, I I didn't realize that I thought it'd be okay <laughs> and I've had that before
0: so thank you so much Gary I think we have reached that part of the